Episode 6, Haunted Houses, opens up with Marty going to confront the two boys, I guess two men in this situation, they're over 18, who were found in the car with his daughter, Audrey. And Marty is getting that uh, sort of impunity that Rust has talked about before in terms of cops being able to do pretty much anything they want. Well, Marty is now going to take the liberty of beating the hell out of these two guys. And he calls the first one out of the cell and delivers this classic line. Man's game charges a man's price. Take that away from this, if nothing else. I include that just because of how much I love it as you see Marty kind of at his wit's end in there, uh, taking the law into his own hands with impunity. I do think it's telling, though, that you see him get back to the car and throw up in the parking lot. Like, he's obviously upset with what he did. He's fighting that inner battle, much like he has in his family life, right, of wanting to do the right thing, but, you know, not being able to control his emotions. In this situation, he can't control his anger, Whereas earlier he couldn't control his sexual urges or I guess need to need to cheat on his wife. But either way, he throws up in the parking lot and, you know, really signifies just how disgusted he is with himself. All right, as we get into this episode, you see that Maggie has been brought in to talk to Pepina and Gilbo in 2012. It's her term to Uh, be interrogated, to be interviewed as they try to figure out exactly what happened between Rust and Marty as they're trying to kind of piece these puzzles together. Maggie looks older, still looks bad. What's up, Maggie? Uh, Maggie still looks good, but, you know, they're definitely showing that she's aged. And even then, she has no time for games. She had a pretty good line where she's basically like, I spent a lot of my life trying to understand crude men. I'm trying to understand what they really mean. Uh, do me the favor, just tell me what you want. And they you know, pretty much say, we're trying to figure out what happened. And as she's getting into the conversation, as she's answering questions, she kind of gives this, I guess, little diamond that really sums up what we think of Rust and Marty. Rust knew exactly who he was. And there was no talking him out of it. Marty's single big problem was that he never really knew himself. So he never really knew what to want. But I'm big enough to not stay angry at someone for that. Not after all this time. Sums it up pretty well. Rust, ridiculously stubborn. Knows what he thinks. Doesn't really get swayed off of his beliefs. Stubborn. Marty. uh, Denial. Denial, denial. Marty doesn't even know who he is so therefore he doesn't know what he wants again the the battle he's been fighting between thinking he should be in a family to kind of help smooth things out versus not really being built for that life but you know Maggie lays it out then go back to 2002 where we see Marty trying to 
uh, live just kind of the way she's talking about, trying to figure out what he wants. He's gotten sober. He's clean. He's living the family life. He is uh, NT Mobile. And we see the trouble waiting for him. We, we see the trouble waiting for him at T-Mobile when we realize that the, the girl behind the desk is Beth from the Bunny Ranch, the young girl that the young girl that was with the the Bunny Ranch, the prostitution uh, trailer park from, I believe, episode two that Marty gave money to, and to which he was trying to help her get out of a situation. Well, we see her there, and we see the, you know, the trouble waiting for him. He's walking out. He's got his cell phone. He's got a box of tampons that he has, I assume, bought for his daughters, trying to live the family life, and he sees his old hangout, the Fox and Hound, I believe is the name of it, the, the bar. And, you know, you could just see the inner dilemma he's facing as he's standing there, knowing he should probably just go home, but not wanting to. He ends up going to the bar uh, where eventually Beth from the Bunny Ranch is going to end up with him. And you know what's going to happen there. And you kind of realize, okay, so this this is probably what happened to to Marty's marriage. He just couldn't couldn't be the man that he was, I guess, pretending to be. So a lot, of, a lot of the 2002 Marty is built around family life. Meanwhile, Rust is still working the case, but by himself. Uh, we're not really seeing Marty do much police work. We're seeing Rust kind of go out on his own, and he's eventually led back to the Reverend from the Tent Revival. A conversation with the Reverend from the Tent Revival uh, exposes more about Tuttle and his schools, and the Reverend says, yeah, well, I was a student there at one point. I was working there, and I found pictures of children in a book that I accidentally knocked over. Thus, you know, raising more suspicion between Rust and the Tuttle school organization as he's, you know, kind of realizing that a lot of these people in Louisiana are, are, are hiding behind religion, but maybe that is the, the I guess, the headquarters or the, the common factor in all of these crimes is church. We then get an interrogation room scene that is one of the best scenes in, in the entire series, maybe my favorite scene in the entire series. Uh, but before you get to the, the great part, you see some frustration kind of building over between Rust and Marty. They're in there doing their, their good cop, bad cop routine, or their, their good-ish cop and psychoanalyzing cop routine, and Rust is working for a confession, and he's getting the the woman who has killed her kid, he's getting somewhere with her. And then Marty kind of just blurts out something about her, her getting on birth control. So then she kind of clams up a little bit and you see, you see Russ give Marty a look, basically saying, get out of the room. So as Marty leaves, Russ basically reveals, Hey, look, we got you. We know that you unplugged the, the respiratory machine. We know you killed your daughter. She confesses. She asks for advice, to which then Russ delivers one of the more chilling quotes of the entire series. The newspapers are going to be tough on you. And prison is very, very hard on people who hurt kids. If you get the opportunity, you should kill yourself. No comfort Nothing like just like, look, you are in for hell. You don't deserve to live. You should kill yourself. And it's at this point you really see that this is 
Rust kind of at his limit and at his darkest. You know, think about him and, and this flat circle analogy from episode five. Like, he is stuck in this case. He is stuck living these murders over and over and over. He thought it was over. He thought 1995 he had gotten the bad guy. Well, now here he is in 2002 knowing that the bad guy is still out there. And he's the only person that seems to care. Like, he used to have Marty who would have his back in these, and Marty doesn't want to get back involved in this. So it's Rust in 2002. Like I said, alone and at his darkest and at his limit. The world is awful. He knows the horrors of it. Uh, so he has no he has no interest in trying to console her. He has no interest in, in giving her any hope. He's fed up. She should kill herself. If she wants any type of mercy, that's the only way she is going to get it from just escaping her problems. Because that's it. Everyone else is going to hate her. The newspaper is going to be bad. Her inmates, her fellow cellmates in prison, they're going to be mean to her. If she gets that moment where she can commit suicide, uh, that's what she should do. So then we're back and, you know, the, Russ gets the confession. He always does. And, you know, they're kind of at the office and the boss are saying, hey, great job. And you, you feel this tension again with Marty and Russ. And then now Russ just says, hey, Marty, can you uh, can you type this report up for me? I have some work I got to go do, to which Marty is taken back by it. Listen, Marty, type that up for me, will you? Excuse me? You got somewhere to be? This confession is like 40 pages. What, you got somewhere to be? Come on, man, you want me to tie your shoes for you, too? Now we're in a battle of whose time's more important. Uh, Marty, obviously frustrated with the idea that he's going to have to type this report because Rust is not valuing his time. Rust is obviously... This is probably the most passive-aggressive moment we'll see from Rust, where he's he's mad that he's kind of been hung out to dry on this case, that, that Marty has no interest anymore in chasing ghosts. Rust is having to carry this burden by himself. Rust says, hey, I got to go work. You you type this up. It'll be fun. You, these people, this place, it's like you eat your fucking young, and that's all just fine as long as you got something to salute. No. What's going on with you, man? Salter asked about it. Iberia called. You've been going around bothering people, trying to open up old cases. I am working. I have things to do. So type the report, man. That's how we do. I get people to talk. You read the stats. It's worked out well for you so far. I'm the only one ever took up for you. Ever. You know what it's like being your partner? Huh? Fuck you. Nobody without me. There is no you. So type the fucking report, man. So like here we got it's not it's not only the passive aggressiveness, now it's just been laid out like look, there is no you without me. Now I don't know exactly if it's if it's Russ telling Marty you don't get these big promotions. Hell, you don't barely do any police work without me. Like every every promotion you've gotten here is because of the work I do. I get the I get the confessions. You type the report. That's how this works. That's that's how you've gotten to where you are. I do the work, the actual work. You do the desk work. You're my secretary. Or if it's him saying there is no you without me, meaning if I didn't think quickly and corroborate your story with Reggie Ledoux, where you 
execute him and shoot him in the side of the head, like you are you are nothing. You are in prison. You're off the force. Like your life's ruined. There's a little bit of a double meaning there. Uh, kind of feels like Rust was going for both. But, you know, they've gone from the passive aggressiveness just to look, if you don't want to help me with the case, then fine. Yeah, be my little bitch. Type the reports. So Rust then goes to do his police work as as Marty types the reports. Russ goes to the children's psych ward to see the girl he rescued from Reggie Ledoux seven years ago, trying to get some type of reaction from her. He gets it as she talks about the giant man with scars. So just more confirmation that it wasn't Ledoux that was uh, either acting alone or you know, masterminding it. There is someone else out there, a giant man with scars. So Russ has another lead in the case, to which he takes to his boss. And the boss isn't happy. The boss keeps talking about you. You're unloading all these murder cases with no new bodies. Like, you're, you're turning missing people into murder. There's no extra bodies. There's no bodies. Like, you can't just be calling these murders. Thanks for Russ is off the deep end. And Russ isn't getting the backing from Marty, who has been lured by Beth from the Bunny Ranch to come over, leave his driveway, and try anal for the first time, as he has now struck up an affair with her, but Rust is in here by himself, having to defend his thoughts as as Marty, aka the human tampon, as he's called, is trying to nurse another late night hangover. The boss says, "Look, leave it alone." But we've known by now through six episodes, Rust isn't going to leave it alone. He eventually heads to see Tuttle, to see Tuttle, to do some, uh, I, I guess, an interview, to ask some questions, try to get some information about these schools and some of his workers. But really, it's just to judge reaction. And both Tuttle and Rust are just staring at each other, trying to to gauge each other's reactions to see exactly who's going to buckle first. Are the, you know Tuttle's looking at Rust, saying, "Is he actually on to me?" And Rust is staring at Tuttle, seeing just how uncomfortable he can make him. Tuttle then calls the boss. To which he gets reprimanded, you know, to which the boss is obviously irate at Russ for going to talk to Tuttle after he had just told him, leave it alone. Leave it alone. Russ says, well, that means I have a break in the case. If he's uncomfortable, he's hiding something. Says, I think he is in on this. All of his schools, all of his schools are connected. Uh, Something I did notice, which I don't know if we were supposed to take it away. But uh, when Tuttle and Rust are standing face-to-face as he's leaving, I couldn't help but notice just how big Tuttle was. And, you know, we've, we keep hearing about this giant. And Tuttle, you know, towers over Rust in kind of an intimidating way as he's leaving. So now Rust has been suspended for a month without pay. Uh, and to- on top of that, he's going to do 30 hours of counseling, to which Rust either incorrectly or correctly replies, look, I'm the last person here who needs counseling. I'm the only sane person here. I'm the only one who cares about what's going on. But Rust is now um, off the case, or at least he's suspended for a month without pay. But, of course, you immediately see Rust uh, back at home, drunk off Jameson and working. And the maybe the, the key to Episode 6, uh, the star of Episode 6, Maggie, is headed his way. She has caught Marty cheating again. Marty was busted, washing his own clothes, hiding what he wore the night he met, or I guess the clothes he was wearing when he would go and meet Beth. He's in the shower early. She checks his phone, sees pictures, 
of a girl sending sending uh, underwear shots. So Maggie has re- realized that that Marty's cheating again. She she had gone out earlier to the bar in a red dress. Shout out to her in the freakum dress. But couldn't do it. Says she couldn't cheat on him there. So she has uh, turned to Rust and she goes in on Rust and like I said he's drunk off Jameson. They've always had a little bit of connection. Yada yada yada. Rust and and Maggie have a really hot sex scene, uh, to which immediately after it's over, both of them uh, see the future. Both of them know that they have, both of them know that they have changed forever their relationships with Marty. You see a sense of relief from Maggie. You see nothing but anger from Rust. What the fuck are you doing here? Huh? It wasn't you. Really, I... I wasn't even sure I could do it. 17 years is a long time. I almost went with him. With a stranger? A bar. I'm sorry, Russ. He'll have to go, you see, because this... He won't live with. Fuck out of here. This... This will hurt. Get the fuck out of here right now. I'm sorry, but thank you. You get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here! Relief from Maggie. She knows that this this is the way to get Marty gone. And you obviously you know you have the flashbacks from the the first time Rust came in Marty's home and how uncomfortable Marty got. Didn't really like him hanging around for dinner, talking to his wife. You think back to him coming over to mow the lawn, the insecurities Marty has had, in particular to Rust. And Maggie knew that 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 was the one way. That was the unforgivable sin. If she would have went and had sex with the guy at the bar that bought her a drink, maybe Marty leaves. Maybe. Maybe Marty forgives because he's been caught cheating now twice. But she knows that, that Rust, Rust is the key to ending this toxic relationship and her being able to be free. She used Rust. You know, she took advantage of Rust. She used him and in the process has has ruined that relationship as well. And Rust obviously feels guilt, feels anger to having been taken advantage of, knowing that it's going to now change the one relationship that he's had in town. You know, the, the cops throughout this episode talk about how, how Marty is the only friend, the only partner, the only pal that Russ has had. And now that, that's going to be taken away. All because, you know, Maggie shows up on the doorstep when he's drunk and, and comes on to him. And, and Rust is obviously angry, irate at Maggie. While also the audience, we're supposed to kind of feel for Maggie because we do realize it like that. That might have been the only way she could get out of this relationship. Uh, Maggie then breaks the news to Marty, and Marty responds like she wanted him to respond. It was Rust. I fucked your partner, Rust. <laughs> oh. 
you saying? What, what are you... What the fuck are you saying to me? I already told you. You fucking whore. You don't know the half of it. To tell you the truth, I haven't been fucked like that since before the girls. <laughs> Not only does she tell Marty, yeah, I had sex with Russ, she says it's the best she's had since before she had the kids. So, you know, Audrey's, what, 15 years old at this point, uh, somewhere around there, 16. So basically saying it's the best sex she's had in 16 years. And, you know, just kind of twisting the knife into Marty. Marty goes to grab her up. She says, do it. Hit me. Hit me. He doesn't, and she lets out a coward. I, I don't think the coward is meant for him not hitting her. To me, the coward is basically her saying... You're a coward for just not leaving this marriage, for being unhappy for the last seven, eight years, and just dragging us down with you. This is the first time we, this is the first episode where, you know, we've had it even somewhat centered around Maggie. You think of her with uh, the cops and, you know, this, this transgression with Rust and this conversation with, with Marty. This is the first time we've seen her acting. Instead of reacting so far, everything has just been in response to to Marty or in response to Rust. This is the first time that she has set off a chain of events. And she goes from this sympathetic figure to, I don't want to say a black widow, but to a vengeful person who is shows a little bit of the selfishness that she talks about with with Marty and Rust and the stubbornness like she she uses Rust despite knowing what it's going to do to their relationship, to get what she has to have, which, of course, is going to lead to what we've been waiting on. Why why did Marty and Rust quit talking? Why did Marty and Rust have a falling out? Why haven't they seen each other for 10 years? And I love that in the show we've had it been so deep and complex and all these meanings behind everything, and you think maybe there's some cosmic falling out maybe it was just the difference in this court case maybe you know the, the murder case being back open and and rust wanting to pursue it and marty not wanting to or marty wanting to do something else or just you know something deeper than what it actually was and we find out they haven't seen each other or talked to each other in a decade because of a good old-fashioned fight a fight over sex like as barbaric as it gets like this is caveman stuff when the when the first two cavemen fought over a woman. It, it, it's our it's our most it's our most primal reactions. It's our most primal being just trying to to fight over resources and in this situation, uh, fighting over women and mistrust. And there's no complexity here. It's just flat out. You had sex with my wife. Now I'm gonna fight. And there's a good fight. It's a good fight. Uh, Rush shows back up to the police station to get something. Marty hears that he's there, and the the moment that Marty gets up to go outside, you realize something's about to happen, and Marty then takes off his jacket, takes off his ring, takes off his belt bucket, belt buckle, removes his gun, and you realize, okay, yeah, this is about to really go down. And as soon as they step outside, Marty goes for it, and with a tackle of Rust, and you know, lands six shots or so on Rust. And it was almost as if Rust wanted to be punished. 
Russ understood that he has messed up and betrayed this relationship, whether or not it's his fault. Uh, whether it's his fault, Maggie's fault, the Jamison's fault, everything above, whether there was a sexual attention there from the earlier encounters with them. Either way, uh, Rust wants to be punished. He, he lets Marty punch him a good six times before eventually fighting back as he throws Marty into the bed of his truck, busting the headlight before they get separated. During the fight scene, after the fight scene, I couldn't help but think about the beginning of the episode, you know, where Marty tells those two guys who were having sex with his daughter a man's game charges a man's price and you have a little bit a little bit of that here with with marty and rust you know basically after marty uh, marty's wife maggie has sex with rust now it's time for for rust to pay the man's price and i think rust kind of understood that as he took the first like i said six punches to the face allowing himself to be punished allowing himself to pay the man's price i love that the episode started with Marty fighting over a family member having sex, fighting the guy, and it ends with Marty fighting a guy over one of his family members having sex. I love the book end of that. I don't know if it was intentional. It probably was, but you see it kind of it go full circle here. And that leads to a meeting in the boss's office again, which I guess is the last time these two will have seen each other in, or talked to each other in a decade. The boss asking what the hell's going on. Neither one of them talk about it. The cop tells Rust what I just said about how Marty was his only friend. Marty says, fuck him, he's not my friend. To which, immediately, uh, Rust is just over it. And he says, you know what? I quit. And he storms out. And you can see in Marty's face, he realizes that's probably the last time he's ever going to see Rust. That's the last time he's ever going to see Rust. So in this episode, we've had Maggie interrogated. She holds it down, doesn't tell anything, doesn't tell anything about the relationship, doesn't explain to the cops about the sex, about the falling out. She's in denial. She's keeping it tight. Um, you, you have Rust. He's stormed out. He's not getting interrogated this episode. He's He's been kind of laying low-key in terms of 2012. And Marty, Marty has left the, the, the questioning with Gilbo and Papina because – he he's just refusing to believe this about Rust. the 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 episode ends with with Rust flagging Marty down in 2012, and they finally have their face to face. Rust says, "Hey, let's go to the bar. We got some things to talk about." Marty says, "Okay," uh, checks to make sure his gun's loaded, and they head to go get a drink and you know talk for the first time in ten years. I really love the detail that the episode ends, kind of zooming in on Russ tailgate which still has the broken the broken light from when he tossed Marty into the bed of his truck kind of just showing like as soon as as soon as Rust left on that day as he quit the police station uh, that was pretty much the last time he ever tried to live somewhat of a of a normal life he didn't even take the time to fix his taillight and we haven't seen him since and he's been off the grid since just kind of quit caring about those things and kind of has it uh, maybe even as a reminder they'll do it for episode six appreciate you guys for listening patreon.com slash reese ranch if you want to talk no one's talked yet no one's talked yet i want some feedback um at least like i said maybe we'll get this fired up for season three which debuts on sunday it'd be a good place to talk about it episode seven coming soon